Welcome to Raising Christian Kids. Your host, Leanne Mancini, is extremely passionate that children build a strong, foundational relationship with Jesus before the age of 10. Children need head and heart knowledge in order to stand strong against the world's ever-increasing rejection of Christianity. You will be equipped with methods and techniques to help to solidify a relationship between your child and Jesus. So let's dig deep and help the next generation to love Jesus with all their heart, soul, and mind. Hello and welcome back to Raising Christian Kids. I'm so excited to have Sarah Broyhill Anderson on the show today. I've listened to her a few times already on God Girl Life podcast, which I highly recommend. And she's just been such a wonderful resource of information. And I'm so happy to have her to share her wisdom with you today. Welcome, Sarah. Well, thank you for having me, Leanne. I'm glad to be here. You're welcome. And so Sarah received her Juris Doctorate in 2001 and has since gone on to pursue her Master's of Divinity and Apologetics to combine her passion for logic and rhetoric with her love for Christ. Sarah's heart is with families who struggle fighting the lies of culture with the truth of God's word. She understands the desire is there, but the teaching in this area has been lacking. Sarah desires to help the church make a move away from focusing on how scripture meets our felt needs and towards reaping the eternal benefits from focusing on how scripture meets our truth needs. Big amen, right? A big amen, right? Absolutely. So, you know, I have three questions, but of course you can feel, you know, if you want to elaborate on anything else, I'm, I'm happy to listen to, and I'm sure our listeners are happy to listen to what you have, because I know you have great stuff. I'm so excited. But the first thing I want to ask you is you talk about presupposition training. Can you explain what that is and why it's important for Christian parents trying to raise their children with a strong foundation in Christ? Yes. Thank you for asking that, because that is, I really am focusing on the biblical mandate to train up our children. And I call, excuse me, presupposition training is how I contextualize that biblical mandate that requires our calls for parents to be the one who raised their children to know and fear the Lord. And when I say contextualize, I mean to make relevant the truth of scripture in today's culture without losing the truth of the original message. So we don't compromise anything when we contextualize but we make it relevant for um, today's culture. And, that, and that's a hard line to follow, but it's very much uh, needed because if we, we definitely want to mine the truth from the original message, right? It, it's going to have the same impact today as it did then. But if it's, I guess, packaged the way it was packaged then, it's not going to make much sense to us today. So that's all I mean by contextualizing. But I guess um, in order to unpack what presupposition training is, we really need to understand where we're coming from. And I consider there to be, and there are more than this, but for my purposes and for our purposes today, for the audience, we may find ourselves in one of four categories of parents. So for the parents out there, the question we're asking really is, who is responsible for teaching my child about God? And do I even care if they learn about God, right? So I just added that. But really, who's responsible? For one, the first category I say, for some, they decide not them, not them, because they want their child to find their own path to religion. 
They don't want to force a system of belief onto their children like was maybe done to them. Okay. So the second category, other parents decide that the task is best left up to the experts, like the Sunday school teachers or the youth group or the Christian private schools, et cetera. It's not for them. They're not the experts. They're going to leave it to someone else. The third category are those who parse from Christianity the values or morals that they want to pass on to their children and leave the religious part behind. I'm sure you've come in contact with all these different categories, right? And uh, they, they don't want weird kids. You know, they want culturally normal kids, but they want good kids. So they understand the good parts of Christianity uh, that are culturally acceptable. And then there's the fourth category. And those are the parents who believe that they are responsible for teaching the biblical, biblical truths to their children, but they don't know how. And their kids are asking questions, really tough questions that they don't know how to answer. And those are the parents we think we can get to, right? I'm, we're not going to be able to get to every parent, but the other ones we hope that they hear, they could still shift course, of course. I mean, we want to get to all of them, but the fourth category is probably the most hopeful because at least they care. But for the other ones, here's the point. The question was, who is supposed to teach their children about God? Each one of these categories is training their child's presuppositions, whether they realize it or not. Okay. And so what is presuppositions? Presupposition training seeks to mold the messaging that shapes our children. And it's what God intended when he said, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's from Proverbs 22, six. So what are we talking about here? We are talking about making sure that all the impressions, millions of impressions from sensory stimuli that are flooded into our children's lives from birth on are molded to train them into what would accept God as reality. And the Bible is true versus what culture says is real and what culture says is true, right? And so we have, and I have so much more I could say about this. I literally am skipping over a whole bunch, but I know that you know, we want to get to pretty much just the crux of this uh, issue here. We are going to train our children, our children's presuppositions, which are the grids through which their understanding of reality is built. And it starts from birth when, you know, a child cries, do their mother or father respond to them or not? That will go into creating this structure, the scaffolding of how they interpret the world going forward. and. The importance, and I want to kind of unpack the scripture, but I don't know if we have time for it, and I'll I'll throw it back to you. But the importance of starting early with this is that studies show that by the time they're between the ages of seven and nine, that grid is solidified and it becomes their worldview. So a solidified presupposition grid is, is definitely called a worldview, right? And it's hard to change that. So we are best able to change that worldview or that presupposition when they're still training and presuppositions. And we as parents are the ones who, according to that scripture from Proverbs 22, six, we're the ones who are to train our children. We're the ones who are to mold those presuppositions. And so we can either choose to, in one of those four categories, right? Choose to hands off or parse or allow other things in because we want them to choose and find their own way. Well, all of that is training their presuppositions, but it's training our children to choose the wide road to destruction rather than the narrow road to life. So that's that. That is absolutely true. And it, and it even starts before birth. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
because at 18 weeks of pregnancy, they can hear what you're saying. So you can sing songs about Jesus. Just let them hear the words of Jesus and you can start teaching them before birth. But you're absolutely right. Our presuppositions is what we take into our adulthood and how we behave as adults, what we've presupposed to be true is what is false. Yep. And so I'm really glad that you are bringing that up. It's so important. And, you know, their spiritual foundation really starts to be laid around three years of age. And it is solidified, like you said, from the research I've done by the time they're seven or 10, depending on the cognitive ability of the child. Yep. That's right. That is right. So it's so key to get there as a child. It says train up your child, not your adult, not your teen, you know? Yeah. Your child. So question number two I have for you is what is the biggest threat to presupposition training? And in other words, what major counterfeit worldview is being imposed into the minds of our children that can lead them astray? Well, there are many different worldviews today. We have a plethora of ideologies out there from which to choose from. And that's why that first category of parents, when we talk about whether we want our child to find their own path and choose their own religion, we're really equating all of these worldviews and all these ideologies with each other. And they're not all equal. In fact, there's only one truth. Truth by definition is exclusive. And we want to help our children find the truth. That's why we train them up in what we know is true, which is God's word. However, as far as what they're going to find in the world, what is being taught in the school system from preschool on up, they are going to find counterfeit worldviews that sound almost close, you know, morally, I guess, to Christianity, but lead a slippery slope, like minute step by minute step down the wrong path. And the two, I'm going to actually list two that are the most dangerous, I think, today, and that is naturalism and secular humanism. And so naturalism says that reality is what we see and experience and nothing more. It's limited to the material world and whatever we can, the material world can help us discover about the material world. It's, it's like a dog chasing its tail, right? And so the material world was created somehow. Everyone agrees it exists. If you live in this world and you have senses, the, then you've experienced the material world, the natural world. What naturalism says is that there's a methodical method. The scientific method is what they want to apply, which there's nothing wrong per se about the scientific method. But if we limit to what the natural world can discover about the natural world, we're very limited in our answers. We can't even hypothesize about what could be and go down that rabbit hole and just, you know, find out what we could discover because it's limited to what has already been discovered. That's not, not how it's always been. So naturalism is from the enlightenment, really, and Darwinism has come into vogue, I guess you could say, because it used to be, even with other scientists, they would investigate at least metaphysical or things that aren't limited to the natural realm. So that's dangerous. But what happens is that has led to secular humanism, which embraces naturalism and then raises the bar and says that since we're limited to the natural world and what can be discovered in here, we know that humans exist in the natural world. So humans as the highest form of rational mind, they're in charge of discovery and progression. And so they are the sovereign. They are God. Everything revolves around the human and what they can discover by way of investigation through the scientific method of the natural realm. And we have to start teaching our children early that what they see 
is not all there is. And, you know, instill the hope in them that there's a, a future and that hope is not what they see. That hope is the future in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, I teach apologetics at South Florida Bible College and Theological Seminary. So oh, I'm understanding everything that you're talking about and it's really great. But can you give our readers, uh, our listeners, excuse me, some ideas of what they can do with their little children to help them see nature and, and connect it to God? especially those who are sending their children to public schools, which are training them the opposite view of what we want to instill in them. Yeah, it gets down to the practical day in, day out. And Deuteronomy uh, chapter six, five through nine really speaks to this. This is what parents have to do. And it's so interesting that this was written, you know, before Christ even came to earth as a human to die for our sins. And it has not changed. And the reason that scripture is so timeless is because while culture may be changing or the technology that we're using is different, the human heart has not changed and the enemy has not changed and our destiny and our ultimate purpose has not changed. And God never changes, right? And so his answers are timeless. So What uh, Deuteronomy, I just want to read this six, five through nine says, you shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. So first parents have to understand, right? About creation and how it reflects God. It is not God. Some worldviews say that there's a continuity between God and creation and they're one and the same, right? You look at a tree and that is God somehow. Interesting conversations I've had with people about that. But anyway, it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall Talk of them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. In other words, at all times and in all ways, we are to continually, it's not a get the chalkboard out and formally teach your children. That's not a bad thing, but that's not really going to fit within our lifestyle. God's saying within your lifestyle, however you live your life, you know, when you wake up, if you wake up six or you wake up at noon, you know, whatever it is, when and how you do that. Every opportunity is an opportunity to show how God is at work, that there is a metaphysical reality to our existence, which means it's not something you can hold in your hand. And there's evidence of this. I think one thing that parents can easily point out to their kids is those thoughts in your head, the way you're analyzing nature, that is not seen. That's not something you can hold in your hand. And yet they're very real. Our feelings, while we can't necessarily trust them to lead us to truth, are very real. If you tell your child, that that sadness that they feel over the ice cream that fell on the sidewalk isn't real. You know, they're going to be confused. They're feeling that disappointment. These are things that are metaphysical by reality. In fact, the naturalists who, and the secular humanists who analyze nature to find the answers, the very process of their inquiry and their analysis is metaphysical. It's not seen. So they're, you know, they're catching themselves in a conundrum, I guess there. And so uh, what we really want to do is show our children how there are inconsistencies in the other worldviews, which means we have to be familiar with the other worldviews. And then we have to point out day in, day out. We're not going to have a big lesson prepared for our children. We're going to wake up and we're going to say, the sun is shining today. How amazing is our God that he knew exactly how the sun needed to rotate around the earth or or the earth rotate around the sun in order to, you know, you're going to have to understand the way the cosmos works, you know, to explain to them day and night so that we get enough sleep and we wake up in the morning and we're uh, woken up by the light, not the opposite, that we have the right environment to live in just perfectly and everything works together in harmony. How could that happen by happenstance? How could that be a random event? 
from nothing. And so I guess parents educating um, ourselves in the different worldviews and seeing how it's inconsistent with just reality that we experience every day and pointing that out to our children is a good first step. Yes. I always say, you know, we can't be created from nature mm-hmm. because nature cannot give us what it doesn't possess. What does nature, the trees, the water, you know, the plants, the animals, they don't possess love emotions. Emotions are only from a creator who is emotional. We can only get and receive what we have from one who has created us in his image. Amen. That's right. Yeah. We can only receive what someone is able to give. Right. So tell us about any books you have published or you're currently writing or any materials that you might have to offer at this time, or you're going to have down the road. So I have written a couple books and I'm currently in the process of writing a book about the topic that we are discussing today. And the working title of it is First One There Wins. First One There Wins, The Race Against Culture to Claim the Next Generation of Christians. And we know that presuppositions are all about early training because early is the only way you can train a presuppositional grid and solidify a worldview that is based in the Judeo-Christian values. I have written 2020 vision, and that is really, uh, I wrote it right at the beginning of 2020. And I did not know, of course, that the pandemic was going to hit, but it really is all about Israel leaving Egypt. And it focuses on Exodus 2020. And so we, you know, it, it was just so eureka for me to read that and realize that he's saying we need to shift our perspective from fear of circumstances to fear of God. And then we'll have perfect vision. And we'll even look back at our trials, like wandering as desert experiences and be able to see how they lead us to the promised land. Okay. And then I just in December, then I had been working on this and was inspired for years to write this, but I wrote the best is yet to come facing the fears of today with God's hope for the future, which is similar, but uh, much more in depth. And it really deals with our ultimate destiny and the hope that they're living for. This goes into that and it explain it even goes into a little bit of apologetics in a very simple way giving arguments and understanding for why we believe in the hope of Jesus Christ. And it focuses on the character of God, his grace, justice, and hope. And then that's it. That's it for me. The one I'm working on in those two. (laughs) I'm very happy to hear that. And we'll have links to those books and in the show notes for our listeners also. I just, I thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your wisdom. And we need more people to understand this is what Raising Christian Kids podcast is all about. It's about solidifying these biblical principles. I call it indoctrination. I know that has a bad connotation, but you're in doctrine. You're putting doctrine in your children and biblical indoctrination. That is a, the best concept there is. And it starts before the womb and it's solidified around seven to 10 years of age. So thank you for being on the show today, Sarah. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being here. Thank you for having me. And so listen, people, get those books out. Start teaching your little ones some meaty stuff. Don't wait until they're getting older because like Sarah said, we're losing the generation. It's really scary. I always say the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. That's that old saying, and it's so true. Amen. And just remember that we're here to bring this information and wonderful people like Sarah because we want to raise strong Christian kids. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. 
Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. <laughs> 